Hello and welcome to another Mirror Football Podcast and we come to you this week with uh, breaking news. Ronald Koeman has been sacked uh, by Everton, uh, it's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan hosting here once again today alongside James Whaley and first time on the podcast Liam Prendervilla. How are you doing Liam? Yeah good thanks Aaron. Yeah good, uh, you, I'm assuming you're doing quite well because Liam is actually an Everton fan. Uh, Koeman gone, you happy it's happened? I think it was about time. I think the board had to act after Sunday's defeat to Arsenal. Um, the performance was really, really poor. I know Idrissa Gay got sent off and it was 2-1, but it could have been 6 or 7 nil at half-time. And that is, that, it actually could have been. Pickford was excellent. Yeah. Um, before that, the form, it's just, been not, it's just not been good enough. You know, A lot of money was spent. There was big expectations among the fans. Maybe not on the board side of things, but the fans wanted a lot more and he's had to go. What for you, like from a fan's perspective from Everton, was the major thing that either Koeman did wrong or the club have done wrong this season? I think, obviously, there was problems in the transfer market. They did spend a lot of money, but they needed a striker. Everyone knew that. Lukaku was going, and everyone knew he was going towards the end of last season. The fact they haven't replaced him was always going to be a problem, but it's not just been the fact they've not been able to score goals, because they've been conceding so many at the other end. And on the pitch, there's just no style of play whatsoever. Under Martinez, as bad as it was, you knew what he was trying to do. They weren't playing the ball, they were playing out of defence. Yeah, they were making mistakes. But under Koeman, there's no identity or anything. And it's just poor, poor football. Yeah. James, we've said on this podcast before, obviously, Koeman is a dead man walking. It, it feels like we've been saying it for a month. and But about time, do you think? I think so, yeah. I think um, we were all quite surprised when Craig, Craig Shakespeare became the next manager to lose his job I think Ronald Koeman was you know a, a big favourite with the bookmakers to be the next Premier League manager to go and you know he stayed at the same odds after after Shakespeare had gone um, you know as, as Liam alluded to his big failing and the club's big failing for that matter was was not replacing Romelu Lukaku um, as well as Dominic Calvert-Lewin's done you know um, Umarnias has, has come off the bench and scored a couple of crucial goals but the sheer volume of goals that Lukaku has supplied uh, over the last couple of years hasn't been replaced and uh, I think that's ultimately what's what's cost Ronald Koeman his job yeah, no, I, I didn't actually watch the game with Arsenal I saw it match of the day last night and that was all I saw in Everton just looked all over the place but as guys who watched the full 90 minutes were Everton quite as bad as the highlights actually made out I mean, they started okay at Arsenal. You know, Arsenal can, you know, when they get the ball moving in around the pit, around the box, sorry, they're very dangerous. You know, Sanchez, Ozil, Lacazette, and they did cause Everton problems. They started with a back five, um, and they were given the run around a bit, but tempo-wise, they were okay. And, you know, they were chasing the ball down, and they got the goal, Idrissa Gay winning the ball in midfield, Rooney scoring, and you're thinking this might give them a bit of a lift. But straight away, they sat back, sat back. And when Monreal scored, it was only a matter of time. Ozil gets the second, game over. Do you think the players knew Coleman was out of the door and they just kind of had that... Not that they weren't maybe not trying, but they just they wouldn't try maybe as hard as they would do because they know change is coming and maybe it's inevitable? Or mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the, the players did give up on him. You know, the performance against Leon the other night, and as people say the fight thing, Ashley Williams was fighting off the pitch, but there was there seemed to be a bit of a battle, you know. Yeah. And they seem to think maybe they haven't given up on the manager just yet. Then yesterday, as soon as Arsenal scored, heads were down. And I think it might be a confidence thing, but it might also be a case of they thought this just isn't working anymore. And you know, like we've seen so many times in the past, a new manager comes in and suddenly the dressing room gets a lift. Do you reckon he was maybe told last night? Obviously, we've seen images uh, today. We're recording on Monday. 
uh, on Sunday evening, Ronald Koeman was out in Manchester, had drinks with a few pals, uh, looked looked in quite a good mood. Right? Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, do, do you think he knew the writing was on the wall? Do you reckon he, he was told last night? Or I mean, it's, it seems weird for him to go out yeah, in public at that point. It is. I mean, as an Everton fan, I wouldn't want the players going out smiling after getting beat. I know he's got a life and he's not going to sit indoors and sort of like never be seen again. But I think on the night and to be in such a sort of happy, positive mood, it seemed a bit strange. Um, I'm not sure Farhad Mashiri was at the game yesterday with Bill Kenwright. You don't know if they spoke to Koeman, but by all accounts, he took training this morning like normal, preparing for the game against Chelsea. So maybe he's found out today after training that he's got the boot. Yeah, possibly. Um, potential replacements. Um, it's quite an attractive job now, Everton. I mean, it was attractive any, but the fact that there's now a little bit more investment than there was previously makes it an attractive job. Everton should be challenging for the European places, but um, who do we see as the the, the front runners? I think the bookmakers have Sean Dyche and Chris Coleman as the front two. Um, what do we think of them two, or you know, or maybe some other names in the, in the mix? Yeah, I mean, there certainly isn't an obvious candidate, is there? That, that sort of leaps out of, of those that list that you think, yeah, they will probably take over. Um, and I think that's maybe why Koeman got a little bit longer than he perhaps might have done if there was if there was a more obvious replacement. I think we saw, for example, when Liverpool sacked Brendan Rodgers, they knew they had to do it to get Klopp, uh, yeah. otherwise because he wasn't going to be down the market long. And there isn't, I don't think there's really a, a candidate of that of that stature. Um, Carlo Ancelotti would be the biggest name. Can Everton lure him to Goodison Park? I'd I'd be doubtful of that. I'd love to be proved wrong, but I, I think I think I'd be doubtful of that. Um, Sean Dyche for me would be a great appointment um, I think it it feels like a natural progression for him he's done a wonderful job at Burnley made them very difficult to beat uh, and I think Everton need a bit of that a bit of that backbone uh, for now because whether they like it or not as things stand they're in a relegation battle yeah, well, I say with, with Everton defensively it's clearly where there's, there's big problems the centre-backs are not performing you've even got Michael Keane there who would know Sean Dyche and this season Sean Dyche has turned James Tarkovsky and Ben Mee into looking like world class mm. centre backs at times, and they're not. In like, let's be honest, they're, they're, they're pretty average footballers. Dyche obviously plays a bit more of a direct style of play mm. than uh, Coman. As an Everton fan, would you be happy going to a direct play, but maybe it's going to turn results around, or would you maybe look for a more tactical approach going yeah. forward? I, mean, I think Dyche, I think obviously the foundations are strong defence throughout his time with Burnley that's been the case I'd like to think I mean no disrespect to Burnley and they are doing a lot better than Everton this season but Everton have got better players than Burnley even despite losing Lukaku I think with better players he might be able to sort of change that approach but I do again he would shore up that defence I do think that the problem is Everton have got they have brought in Michael Keane but Ashley Williams wrong side of 30 Phil Jagielka's probably only got a couple of years left Leighton Baines the same you know that defence it needs completely overhauling and can he do it? I'm not sure. You know, he's going to have to spend a lot more money. Yeah, so, do you think long-term Everton's problems are only solved in the transfer market? Regardless of what's happened to Koeman, it's the, what happens in January and maybe next summer is what is going to turn Everton into I mean, contenders. It's baffling to think that, isn't it? You know, they spent so much money in the summer to think they're going to need another hundred million to spend to to improve the team. Yeah. I think there's some sort of strength in the under 23s. Did very well under David Unsworth last season, but you know, John Joe Kenny played yesterday. Tom Davis has come through, but there's not too many that are knocking on the door at the moment to play in the first team, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, 
Other name mentioned there, Chris Coleman, a bit more of a motivator. Um, again, someone who knows one of the centre backs worked with Ashley Williams. Uh, would you be happy with Coleman if he was to come in? I don't think so. I don't. I mean, he did very well with Wales, but international football is a different kettle of fish completely for me. Uh, I don't think he'd be sort of the name, and I think he'd be the sort of name that Everton fans would look at and go, oh, bloody hell, sort of thing. You know, he's not going to excite the fans, he's not going to get them going. So, I mean, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think he, he's been out of club football for too long, especially in this country. You know, I think he had a stint in Spain, um, but you know, he did a he did an okay job with Fulham. But you know, I, I think his reputation's kind of shot through the roof because of Wales reaching um, a major tournament semi final. We all know that can happen in tournaments. Um, a team gets on a roll. I, th- I think it'd be a bad appointment. Yeah. Uh, a couple of other names that have been linked to the job previously that. I mean, it seems like Everton have been talking to other managers, given the reports that have come out. Uh, Rafa Benitez, it seems like, has just turned it down. Maybe not surprising with his links to Liverpool. David Moyes has been linked again as well. Surely that would be a bad appointment. He knows the club. I think he knows how to be a success at Everton but I think going back to that I mean Moyes did a fantastic job at Everton there's no debate in that but he's failed in his last three jobs Manchester United was tough for him Sunderland was tough Real Sociedad was tough but he would have, he would have expected more Everton was tough when he started and look where he took them I think to go back to that I don't think the, again I don't think the fans would take to that at all uh, Personally I, I think Dice would be the one I have uh, if you were the chairman who would you who would you take? I'd, I'd try and get Ancelotti. If that can't happen, then I'd go for Dyche. Yeah. I think, yeah, like James, Ancelotti's the big one. I think David Unsworth will get a crack at it. I think, I mean, it's not been confirmed. I'd expect him to take caretaker charge. I think he'll get a few weeks at, the, at it. Like look at Fonseca at Shakhtar. He's done well there. Everton are not the only team in Liverpool struggling. Uh, Liverpool themselves are, well, there's now a lot of pressure on Jurgen Klopp after... The recent, well, recent performances, on especially the one this weekend. Jurgen Klopp, I think a couple of weeks ago we'd have said no chance you know, they're, they're going to make a change. Personally, I still don't think they're going to make a change, but it's going to be in the back of the mind now, isn't it? I mean, it's it's not been a good start, has it? And they were pretty hopeless yesterday trying to stop a, a rampant Tottenham team. Um, they've been beaten 4-1. It could have been more. Similar to um, Arsenal's uh, Arsenal's victory at Goodison Park, you know, bad day for Merseyside all round on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I think I think Klopp has questions to answer. He he seems very stubborn in um, sort of championing the cause of his of his backline. You know, we can all see it's not good enough. You know, you are, you are not going to challenge for the title with Dayan Lovren. Uh, Joel Matip and Ragnar Klavan as, as your as your centre backs. Uh, he he was reluctant for whatever reason to go out in the summer and sign um, a world class centre half. He spent forty million pounds instead on Alex Oxley Chamberlain, who I think is a good footballer. But is he really what Liverpool need? I'd argue not. So I do I do think Klopp has questions to answer, and he needs results. It doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what club you're at. If you're underachieving to the tune that Liverpool currently are, you're under pressure. Virgil van Dijk obviously was linked to Liverpool in the summer. If he that deal had gone through, do we maybe think that Liverpool would be stronger? And does maybe the the messing about 
that went between the two clubs has that actually hindered Klopp and obviously the the chances of getting in a new centre half? I think individually he's a better player than Matip and Lovren, but I mean one player doesn't improve a team completely, does it? It doesn't mean that suddenly they're going to be a lot better defensively. My biggest th- thing for Liverpool and Klopp is why the hell it was Van Dijk or nobody. Like James said, they spent forty million on Oxley Chamberlain. They don't need Oxley Chamberlain. You know, earlier in the summer, Rudiger was out there, Davison Sanchez was out there. Now, Tottenham and Chelsea went and spent big on them players, but why not Liverpool? That's what they needed in the summer. Do you reckon it was just a case of they were so confident they were going to get? They were actually complacent. Um, I don't know whether that would come from Klopp or whether it would come from the mm. board, but do you reckon it was maybe complacency that? Maybe, but was it in June or July when they said we're not going to we're going to end our interest in him? They had plenty of time from that um, Southampton making the complaint against them for an illegal approach and the transfer window shutting to go and get someone else. Yeah, I think they still had a little thought that they still might get the deal done, but putting all your eggs in one basket on a position which you so desperately need to improve on. Uh, you know, it's it's not good enough. Do you reckon there's any chance that the team could start turning Klopp? Because bear in mind, he took Dejan Lovren off yesterday on what about 30 minutes. All right, he had two areas even having a horror, kind of having a horror show. But it's just something you kind of don't do. You don't mm. take off your centre back. And there was a, an interesting quote. Klopp kind of went into Lovren in his post-match press conference. He said. The first goal was a little throwing, and we're really not there. It was just really, really bad, bad, bad defending. If I'm involved in this situation on the pitch, Harry cannot get the ball. I could have been in my trainers out there, and they wouldn't have scored, which is pretty damning yeah, of Lovren's performance. But surely that's not going to do good for any morale for a team that desperately needs morale right now. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you wouldn't want to hear that, would you, as a as a player? Uh, I don't. I. I don't think the players are anywhere near a revolt at Liverpool or anything like that. Um, you see, whenever they have a whenever they have a result of any kind, really good, bad or indifferent, Klopp's always on the pitch. He's putting his arm around his players. Um, but you know, he was obviously pretty peeved yesterday to come out and say that, especially after the game um, when you know he's already it's been an hour since he's taken him off. He's still angry. So uh, yeah, he's a man under pressure. I think I think that's clear. Um, is Jurgen Klopp still the right man to Liverpool? Can Liverpool eventually win a title under Jurgen Klopp, or do we think maybe that is a position, a, a level that maybe just eludes him? I mean, I think even if you got Guardiola, Mourinho, Pochettino with that defence, no, they've not improved the defence at all in in the two years that he's taken over. Matip came in free transfer. It's a reason he was a free transfer, and no one else went to sign him. I think he's a good player, but he's not that level. Yeah. And I think. They're not going to go and spend the money that United and City are currently splurging. Yeah. Uh, there's still question marks over the ownership of Liverpool. Yeah. Until they get that sorted, they're not going to be winning titles. I think. No, absolutely. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, not the only current Premier League manager feeling a bit of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on Slavon Bilic at West Ham. Um, from what I saw of the game on Friday night against Brighton, they were absolutely abysmal. And there are another team similar to Everton who have spent a hell of a lot of money. Do we think the clock is probably ticking on him now? I think so. I mean, I watched the game on Friday night and they were shocking. And I wasn't sure. I mean, I've seen a lot of Everton this year and I'm not sure who's worse, West Ham or Everton. But they were so poor. Um, and they were poor last year as well. And I know last year they had the whole London Stadium move and Pyatt leaving, but it's not an excuse now. They can't still be having teeth and problems at the new stadium. They've spent a lot of money and they've got some decent players there. The fact that they've been so poor, I mean, 
he's going to pay the price eventually, I think. Yeah, it's kind of weird that, I mean, the stadium does play a bit of effect because the fans don't seem like they they can roll the team onto victory like maybe they could at, mm. at, at Upton Park, but you'd expect, I mean, you'd expect performances to be much better. He strikes me as well, Billich, as somebody who, when he first came, was like a real motivator. Doesn't look like he's got that same personality anymore. Looks a little worn out. Um, James, do, uh, how do you see the West Ham situation? Do you think it's time for a change for them? Yeah, I think I think so. I think um, it feels very similar to how Everton felt a couple of weeks ago. Uh, obviously, that situation's escalated, and I think Ronald Koeman's job eventually did become untenable. I'm not sure Billich is quite at that point yet, but you know, if it doesn't feel like he's going to be there at Christmas, the way the way things are going. Um, that is a game that West Ham have to win Brighton at home it's a team that are going to be fighting relegation you're playing them at home it should be a bank of three points and not only were they beaten they were beaten very very well by a much better team on the night Um, things just aren't don't seem rosy at West Ham fans are still grumbling about the stadium Um, they had a Fantastic season, the last season at Upton Park. Um, Slavin Bilic really got them playing. They struggled to replicate that last year, and instead of pushing on, challenging for European places, which was the whole motivation behind the move, they've regressed. They've gone backwards, um, and I think the end is probably quite near for Bilic. Uh, okay, just quickly on a couple of other managers before we move on to the title race, as opposed to managers struggling. Mark Hughes, Eddie Howe, uh, both in the Premier League, um, both at the wrong end of the Premier League. Do we think the axe will be falling on either of them soon? Because I mean, Hughes losing to Howe this weekend must mm. um, surely put a lot of pressure on him. I think so. I think Stoke are a funny team. You know, they always seem to finish around tenth, eleventh, twelfth, but yeah. they never seem to be in good form. And Hughes seems to every single year be under a little bit of pressure. It'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. I don't think he's under immediate pressure. Yeah. I think he'll probably be in there for a few more weeks, month yet. I don't think Eddie Howe will. I think he'll have a job for life at Bournemouth, even if he gets him relegated. Yeah, oh, it's interesting because even now, when obviously Palace are right on the tail, they could well end up at the bottom. How? Um, it'd be interesting, obviously, the money that's at stake in the Premier League now. And I know they've got a very savvy chairman. Does the money become so important, and they kind of get lost, in it and they have to make a, 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 a snap decision, maybe? I think uh, there's a better chance of Eddie Howe leaving by being recruited. We didn't actually mention Eddie Howe in the Everton um, yeah. in the Everton discussion. Uh, I think that I think there are worse appointments out there. I don't know how Liam you feel as an Everton fan about Eddie Howe going to Goodison Park. But. I mean, it's one of the. I think Howe he went to Burnley, didn't he? And he completely flopped. And sometimes clubs and managers just fit. Yeah. And he, him and Bournemouth seem to fit very well. It'll be interesting to see if he did make the move to Goodison. You know, it's a long way from the south coast and his yeah. family's there and everything. I think he's a good manager. I do. I think he's a good Premier League manager. But when he spent money, and he would have money to spend at Everton, things haven't seemed to work out. And he seems to revert back to the players he knows, Charlie Daniels, Harry Arter, rather than the players he might spend big on. Yeah. So would, it, would he be the right man to be trusted with that amount of money to spend at Everton? I'm not too sure. Oh. It kind of strikes me how he seems to be, or the way I'd imagine it, he'd be somebody who would not be the quick fix, and it very much feels like, or from an outsider's point of view, yeah. it feels like Everton need a quick fix right now. I think that's the case, yeah. I think long term he may, may be one for the future, and I know a lot of people think future England manager as well. 
I think, like you say, short-term fixings, and Everton need someone to get them out and get them out of the trouble now. Push them up the table so at the start of the year they're uh, 11th, 12th in the league, maybe even higher, to kick on for the second half of the season. If they get to Christmas and Howe's in charge and he's putting down foundations, but they're still 17th, they are going to be in relegation trouble. Right, now the Premier League title race is, well, I say it's hotting up. Is the title won? Five points, Man City's gap now on Man United. Can they... I mean, can they get back five points on City? Is that too big of a gap for United already? Um, I don't think you can say the title's won at this point in the season. Um, Five points is two matches. But, I mean, it's difficult to look past Manchester City just because of the form they're in. Um, I I love the attitude they've got. They're literally going out there and bringing teams on and saying, come on. You come and score a couple of goals and we'll score six, it's fine. Mm. And, um, you know, I think United's defeat at Huddersfield at the weekend, does do Man City do that? I'm not sure they do. What's the difference between Man City and Liverpool? Because, in in theory, the very similar tactics will score more than you. Um, why, why is it working for City and not working for Liverpool? I just think they've got better players <laughs> um, and probably a better manager as well. Um Pep Guardiola knows how to play that style he, he did it fantastically at Barcelona and if you look at the type of player he's now got there um, it's very similar you know quick diminutive tricky footballers um, and a couple of absolute geniuses in midfield pulling the strings and laying the chances on and, this, and, the, and the, their defence is better than Liverpool's as well Liam do you see Liverpool uh, Liverpool I, I don't think Liverpool are going to get in the back near the title race uh, United do you think they're going to Get back into it, or I think that'll be there and thereabouts. You know, Mourinho's not—he's not, not going to let one defeat go. And you look back, you know, I know a lot of people said on Saturday, "Oh, that one's been coming." But you look back at Ferguson when he won titles; they did lose games and they lost games that they shouldn't have lost. Every team loses games. They will be up there, but like James, I can't really see past City at the minute. They're just unstoppable. And you, if United played against City, I don't know next weekend, everyone will be thinking City are going to win that. Whereas a couple of weeks ago, you'd probably say it's a level playing field. Yeah. I, I don't think United have got enough to win it. No. The uh, the first derby of the season between the two Manchester clubs is in December, so we've still got a little, about a month's yeah. wait for it. I'd be very interested to see how United are going to approach it because they know that with two victories over City through the season, that point reverse is done. Would Mourinho set out for a draw against City just like as he did against Liverpool and you imagine how he will do against other big teams or does he now know we've got to attack, we've got to go and beat them? I think he goes and parks the bus again I think he, I think if United go and try to play against City it would make an absolute thrilling game but they could also be on the receiving end of a hiding like a few years ago um, he'll play defensively he'll take a point even if it's a hope because it stops City in their tracks a bit you know if they get a nil-nil against City it stops them because you know they're going putting five six seven past teams so they carry that on and then play against United you know they, it would stall them a bit I think um United's next two fixtures in the Premier League Tottenham and then Chelsea um, kind of not the two fixtures you won after losing a game against Huddersfield that you really should have won there's every chance United drop points in both of them games if they do do we maybe think that Tottenham could be the team to challenge City for the title or do we or do we think United are, are better than Tottenham big game for Tottenham that if, if they've got serious um, ambition of winning the title then I think they need to go to Old Trafford and get something because 
you know, they're level on points from at the minute. If they lose that game, they'll be three behind and and likely eight behind City. And that would probably, even at this early stage, knock them out of contention, I reckon. Um, but they're in they're in great form. Um, they seem to have got that Wembley hoodoo off the bat. They've won the last two, albeit a lot more convincing yesterday uh, than the previous win. Um, yeah, I think I think Tottenham and Manchester United will probably be looking at it through quite similar eyes at the minute, and I think that game is is massive. If Spurs go there and win, then they they will surely be above United in in the bookies odds for the title. I think they've got to go there and go for the win. They've, I mean, you look, they've not got a very good record at Old Trafford at all. Spurs. I think a lot of fans see that game as you know every year, and it's similar when they play Chelsea away. They're sort of doing well, and then they come up in these big games and. I don't want to say the term bottle it, but you know that's what a lot of people think they do. So if they can get to go to Old Trafford and get a result, I think they'll be right up there. And after yesterday, I know it's only one result, but I think they'll be City's closest challengers. And, and they were brilliant at Real Madrid, yeah. which is a similarly big stage, you know, an absolute cathedral of football against one of the biggest teams and best teams in the world. And for a large part of that game, they matched them and fully, fully deserved a point. Is there not a chance that maybe Spurs squad gets, well, I say gets found out, it's not the greatest strength in depth, really. And you think the midfield options then become Harry Winks, Musa Sissoko. You've got not very much experience, and in my opinion, not a very good footballer in Musa Sissoko. Um, do are, are they going to struggle through the season? Can they keep up this kind of the longevity, longevity of the? I mean, they did all right without Dembele and Wanyama yesterday. Uh, I, th- I think it's a lot of pressure on Winks, and to expect him to be playing every game from now until the end of the season, it's not going to happen. And Sissoko. One minute he's a world beater, the next minute he's absolutely woeful. So it'll be interesting to see. But they, are, I think they have got a bit more strength and depth than they had last season. And they went close last year. If they can keep the key men fit, if they can keep Kane fit, if they can keep the two centre-halves fit, keep Lloris fit, I think, they'll, I think they will go close, yeah. Chelsea are also still in and around the title race. Hasn't properly kicked on for them, but a, a real morale-boosting bo- victory against Watford. Still a lot of problems on the pitch. They they, they went behind. Chelsea, do they have enough to get into the title race or are they that far behind now? I don't see them challenging for the title, I don't think. Um, just seems to be something not quite right there this season. They absolutely stormed the title last year and it still didn't stop speculation over Antonio Conte's future, which always seems to be the case at Chelsea. You know, Ever since Roman Abramovich took over, They've been hugely successful, so it's difficult to criticise his sort of hire and fire him, um mentality. But yeah, I think in in amongst those brilliant seasons, they've they've been bad ones, and that's why. And you know, they'll be hoping that this doesn't turn out as one of those. You mentioned the questions about Conte's future and stuff. Conte commented after the game on Saturday, uh, and there's a, there's a few interesting quotes out there. I'll just pull out the one or two best ones now. He says. I am not like the previous managers. I am different, and that was asked after he was asked about, you know, his um, kind of the pressure on his job. He said, "I don't have this kind of worry." Um, he says, "Why am I different? Only because in the past the club decided that after two or three bad results uh, to sack a manager. I don't think this is the same for every manager." Uh, with him, he says, "I mean, he says he's not worried, but hear this out. It sounds like a man actually maybe a little bit worried." He says, "Honestly, I am not worried. I am very honest." Anyone who knows me this well knows this is the last thought in my mind. My last worry, I am not worried. Is he worried? It sounds, it sounds like he might be a he little might. bit worried. Uh, do you reckon there's a lot of pressure from Roman Abramovich uh, that they're maybe not quite as 
dominant as they were last I mean, year. Second season at Chelsea, it's always the case, isn't it? I think if Chelsea get top four this season, I think it, two seasons in the job, you can get Champions League football and the title. It's not bad going. I know Abramovich demands titles, but Chelsea will have a run in either or both of the Cups. I think they'll go quite far in the Champions League. So I don't think immediate pressure, no. Um, I think the board will be demanding success. And if he finishes fourth this season, fourth next season, yeah, he probably will be out of a job. It happened to Mourinho in his first spell. It happened to Ancelotti, didn't it? So it wouldn't surprise me. Um, Chelsea are back in action this midweek against Everton, uh, the Carabao Cup. There's one or two little interesting fixtures in the Carabao Cup. Um, this week, uh, Manchester City Wolves uh, particularly interests me because we've got Wolves flying high in the Championship. Uh, Swansea, Man United, uh, Arsenal, Norwich, and then Tottenham, West Ham again on Wednesday. Um, the Carabao Cup. How, what are our feelings towards now? It's in the last sixteen, it should be getting a bit more exciting, but I, I can't motivate myself for the competition. It should be, should be, but I think everyone's sort of midweek games. Everyone wants Champions League, don't they? And these come round, and everyone's a bit like, not that bothered. Um, this gets a bit more exciting at this stage into the quarterfinals and two-legged semis and then people start thinking oh, about Wembley but still it's a bit of an inconvenience I think for most managers there's a couple of, of really good looking ties and yet we're still we, we'd still rather not we'd still rather do without it you know, we'd, we'd much rather have another another game week of um, of Premier League or Champions League fixtures you know Tottenham West Ham one of the great fixtures of English football and you know, you're probably going to see both teams making eight or nine changes, and mm. yeah, uh, I think I think that's why fans fans aren't as up for it as as they, as they might be. Do you reckon the managers are also not up for it because you saw when United won it last year. I know Mourinho made a big thing. Oh yeah, we've won a trophy, but I think that was more just him trying to play mind games. I don't think United were that bothered about winning the Carabao Cup last year. Like, do, do the teams actually care about the competition? Like, if they lose, do they just forget about it? I think so. I mean, it is an, it's an opportunity for a lot of teams to win a trophy. Larks of Leicester, no, not in Europe this season, Southampton, teams like that. And they'll go, like James said, eight, nine changes. And then they might, like, no, Leicester went through against Liverpool, but they could easily get beat this week. You know, And then it's like, well, that's a competition, it's a chance of a trophy, and we've just blown it because we've wanted to give some, some like, squad players a few minutes. I think it's daft. You've got to look at it as a manager and think, why can't we use this competition to win a trophy? No, absolutely. Uh, the, so the Carabao Cup is back on Tuesday night, uh, when obviously Chelsea, Everton, Tottenham, West Ham uh, on Wednesday. Uh, out of the fixtures that are there, can anybody see any any upsets coming? I quite quite fancy Leeds' chances at Leicester. Like Liam said, I think Leicester are going to make a lot of changes. I don't think Leeds will. You know, the, we talk about the League Cup not really mattering for a club like Leeds, who you know one of the great institutions of English football um, a chance of a, a cup quarter final and a very good chance I think you know it's a very winnable game for them they'll take a lot of fans down there they'll make a right racket and uh, yeah I think I think I, I quite I quite fancy them to get a result there actually I think Bristol City uh, home to Palace I think they can push them close no, Hodgson will probably have to make some changes you know this competition isn't important for them they need to stay up so I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they got a win and maybe a new look Everton at Stamford Bridge, hopefully. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday uh, this week where we'll review some of these. Well, hopefully we'll review some upsets. Then We all like a cup upset, whether it be FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Champions League. And we'll always support the underdogs. So uh, 
uh, we'll be back uh, until then uh, thank you for listening and uh, enjoy all the midweek action <laughs>